Welcome to the Joan Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Vittengel. The purpose of Joan is to draw light towards mental health, to bring awareness and real stories to the trauma that most everyone endures at some point in life, from depression to postpartum depression to anxiety and eating disorders, PTSD, domestic abuse, sexual abuse, addiction, the list goes on and on. Joan is meant to be a place of honesty and connection. Through the darkest days of my struggles, I'd never felt so alone, and I was convinced there was no way out. If you're feeling this way, I hope this podcast helps you to truly understand that you're not alone and that there is so much light at the end of the tunnel. The truth is, there is no right way to heal. But this podcast was created to inspire you to take your own steps towards healing and stepping into your most authentic self. Today's guest is my friend, Lisa O'Connor. Now we haven't actually met, but we connected through Instagram a year or two ago. Shortly after connecting, I booked a session with her and we became soul sisters and fast friends overnight. Lisa is one of the brightest, most inspiring humans. She is truly an earth angel. In this episode, we dive into the passing of her mother, followed by several years of terrible mystery symptoms as Lisa was in total agony trying to figure out what was going on with her body. It was one day that she audibly heard her mother say the words Lyme disease that inspired Lisa to go get tested, only for it to come back positive. Such an incredible story. So we will talk all about her illness and how she has jumped headfirst into healing naturally, which ultimately led her to her current profession of being a holistic nutritionist and skin coach. Um, Okay, so I'm here with my friend Lisa, who is, I mean, I don't even know how, how, I'm going to let you um, introduce yourself and what it is that you do. Hi, Kelly. So yeah, that's actually funny that you... I guess, um, stumbled a little bit because it's, I guess within actually these past few months, I've kind of been having, I guess, like a, not identity crisis, but so I am classically trained as a holistic nutritionist and I specialize in skin, but I've just found recently that I don't, it's not that I don't resonate with being a nutritionist and all that it envelops. I just feel like through my journey and just through my own growth, I don't really identify with any label. So I guess you could say, mm-hmm. or what's coming, like what's coming intuitively for me right now is that I just kind of specialize in deep healing, like just getting to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, the core, really digging deep to heal. Like, to be honest, like, I think that is like when I think of it or I think of what I do, that's what seems the most natural and the most innate thing within me. So I guess that's how I describe myself. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, and where are you from? I know that you're based in Toronto, right? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. So I grew up in, uh, I guess you could say a small town in Alberta. So Alberta, Canada, and it was just outside of the capital Edmonton. So whenever I tell someone where like I, I grew up, I say Edmonton because a lot of people don't know the little, uh, it's now more of a city, but when I was growing up, it was 
kind of like a hamlet. It was really small. It was really, um, whenever I even think of it, it was kind of like a Pleasantville. <laughs> like it was like, yeah, all, you yeah. know, all the houses were the same and you could leave yeah. your doors unlocked <laughs> and like super, yeah. super, super suburban, suburbia. And yeah, I grew up kind of in a, in a smallish town and I had a really, even when I, so I, I think of this often, so you'll kind of, you know, as we go on, get to see that I'm, I'm super reflective and I, and I do dig deep within, you know, my own self and, um, my own upbringing. And looking back, like I did, I had a really great childhood and mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. is kind of the, really the foundation for, for most of us. But yeah. Yeah. That was going to be my next question. Well, actually, how, how old are you? I am. I, so I just turned 34 in November. Okay. Okay. So you're 34 and I often kind of move into childhood stuff because I know that's where a lot of trauma starts for most people. Yes. Um, and someone, you know, you just said that you had a great childhood. I did as well, but it's funny how, as you kind of start to dig when you get older, you're like, mm, maybe that was, <laughs> absolutely maybe there was conditioning yeah. there that I didn't know yeah. about. So tell yeah. me about your childhood. So I would say, um, kind of like you said, like a, a great childhood, um, really safe environment. Um, my, my parents both had, you know, stable jobs and we always lived in, you know, a great neighborhood and nice houses. Like we always had, you know, I don't want to say everything like we didn't, you know, um, mm -hmm. it wasn't like that, but we still like we had food and we had a safe space and we had a nice house and we did you know, extracurricular activities and I danced growing mm -hmm. up and there never was that kind of like, I guess, I don't want to use the word lack, um, because kind of like you said, like there are certain areas where you can now look back and reflect that saying, oh yeah, like there, there were some things there that, um, definitely affects us into our adulthood, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was super, a super supportive, um, space. And it was kind of my, my mom, well, my mom, especially, and that will kind of delve into, um, the next stage of life. But my mom was at, you know, every dance practice, every dance rehearsal, mm -hmm. every dance competition, you know, she would bring us, um, hot lunches at school once a week. Like it was like, it was, I guess like idyllic. It was, it was really, yeah. really great. We traveled, we went to, you know, Disney world, I think three times and we went camping every year as a family and yeah, mm -hmm. it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, looking back now, you can definitely find things, but I think to just like really sum up like my early childhood, it was, mm -hmm. it was, it was good. Yeah, it was it great. Was supportive. Yeah, it was supported. That's the one. Yeah, that's the word for sure. Yeah. So um, I want to talk, I really want to go into your Lyme disease. Yes. Um, but so when were you diagnosed with Lyme? So that's, that's, yeah. So that was in 2012, but there okay. is like 
so much that that like precedes that, I would say. Okay. So I don't know if you kind of want to um, delve into a little bit before yeah. that into yeah, what, please, what please. led. Okay. Yeah, I want you to, yeah, tell, tell me everything, how you how you got to your diagnosis. Okay. Okay. So if we go really far back and that's kind of what I was to, I guess, alluding to in terms of like later on in childhood. And I guess you could say, yeah, you know, at 16, you are still a child. You don't, you have more Mm -hmm. like awareness and conscious thought and, and more emotions to deal with things. But I still think at 16, like you're still young, you know, you don't really, mm-hmm. especially, oh God, yeah. <laughs> especially when you grow up <laughs> in like, uh, in a, in a smaller town, you are really, um, like we always joke, like looking back to how we grew up, it was kind of like a bubble, you know, like it was, yeah. it was really isolating. And so you weren't really exposed to some of the, I guess, harsher realities of the world, but If, you know, I look back to when things started, um, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 16. So Mm -hmm. that in itself, you can, you can start to, to delve into, into what that, what that really laid the stage for and trauma and confusion and, and being scared and fearful and just all of the emotions, right? That I never really had to delve with. I mean, I lost grandparents before and I, I knew what cancer was and I had awareness, but when it starts to happen to your like parents and especially your mother, like, I think that's, it's one of the most sacred, uh, relationships, whether you have a good relationship with your mother or not, it's still this, you know, yeah. She brought you into this into this world. There's still that connection that you'll yeah. never be able to deny or lose, right? Um Absolutely, yeah. So that was kind of where things started, I guess you could say. So she got diagnosed when I was 16. Um fast forward 2 years later, she actually passed away when I was 18. Okay. And I that was that's a whole kind of other story because I actually was away because I was, um, and that's of course, like kind of my mom, part of my mom's dream. I, so I danced my whole life. And when you kind of reach, I guess, graduation age, it, it was really common to go dance on a cruise ship. So <laughs> here I am at like, I hadn't yet turned 18 and I'm 17 and I get, I guess, accepted or I got, I got a job on a cruise ship or a Caribbean cruise lines. And I didn't want to go. And I just, you know, my mom was actually really sick at that point. And I just felt like, you know, how could I leave? Like, I just, I didn't want to. But my mom actually just, um, she kind of forced me. Like, there wasn't really, like, in, in, I guess, for her, it was like, no, Lisa, this is something... I want for you and you're going to do this. Like she even so much as like went behind my back, hired a videographer to tape an audition for me, like all of this stuff. Like she really wanted me to go. So go. Yeah. Like it was, it was intense. And I guess you can reflect. Do you think that that was her, was that or like, do you think that was like her own guilt about not wanting you to be held back because of her? Or do you think that was her way of making sure that you were going to keep doing what you wanted to do with or without her? 
Ah, so I think I honestly, I think it's both. I think it's both. Yeah. 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 I think you hit the nail on the head that that was, it was a part of, you know, she didn't want me to not experience it because what she was going through. And then it was like, you know, Lisa's been dancing her whole life. And this is, I guess you could say like a dream situation and I want her to experience this. So Mm -hmm. it was, yeah, definitely both. And when I, when I got the job, I still didn't like want to accept it. And again, she kind of just sat me down and was like, Lisa, like you have to do this. Like, you know, I'll be here. And, and they were planning to come visit in February and I got the job. I left in November and they were planning to come, um, my dad and her to come on the cruise in February Um, February, kind of early March, just like a spring cruise. And I got the phone call. Actually, we were, we were cruising, we were sailing and I got a call from the, from the captain. And he was like, Lisa, um, I know we're in the middle of the sea, but, um, like your mom's not going to make it. And like, like literally that's, that is, that's the call I got at 18, on a cruise ship in the middle of the sea and trying to figure that all out. Like it was insane. So pretty much what that led me to was like next port. So the next port, like where we docked, um, I packed up my bags and I flew. How long were you on the <laughs> boat before you got to the port? I, I think it was just, uh, I believe it was a night because I remember okay. performing. I remember doing a show. Um, I remember doing a show that night and it was super emotional. My cast like gathered money for me to like pay for my plane ticket home and they presented it oh and like God. we sat in a circle and yeah, it was like even actually just thinking about it now, it's like super emotional. And they oh. yeah, they were like, Lisa, that there's still space for you. Come back, like come back, like you know, know that we want you to come back, but you all have to go home. And this is something, you know, we love you and support you. And yeah, so it was a night. And then the next day I flew, we docked in St. Martin. So in the Caribbean. And then I remember flying from St. Martin to San Juan. I get on the plane in San Juan. We, we get about, we like are about to take off. And they were like, the like, the engine's not working. We have to go back. <laughs> like, like honestly, Kelly, oh. things that like you couldn't even make up happened in, in this situation. Um, so get to San Juan, um, have to kind of like just wait. And I remember like crying and being like, you guys don't understand. I need another flight out. And, and you can only look back and reflect and, and say that like my mom had a hand in all of it because, um, there would have been no other way that like all of these things happened because then from San Juan, I finally left. And then I get to, um, Minneapolis and instead of flying Minneapolis home, I actually had to stay overnight because there just, there was zero flights. Like I, I was stuck. I was like stuck in Minneapolis, um, for the night. And then I finally flew back that morning and I get into the car from the airport and my cousin, um, my cousin and my uncle came to pick me up because my dad was at home and they told me that she didn't make it. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and it was literally like 
two hours, like two hours, two hours. So, oh my God, <laughs> that must have, I mean, God, how yeah. have you dealt with that? That, I mean, what were the emotions like for you? Do I mean, that must, that, that's must have been a lot. You've, you've, <laughs> I'm in like shock. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I literally have tears streaming down yeah. my face. Yeah. Like just so much. Of course, I'm sure sadness and anger and all the, and all the feelings, but just also like just God, how how oh, that, just that you missed it by two hours, two hours, two hours, yeah, and and it was kind of like that, <sighs> you know. And I've done a lot of um, as we'll get into. I've done a lot of work, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, all this stuff, and and really kind of what when even I talk about it now it, it was a hundred percent my mom, you know? So with that, like I, I found peace. Like I, I did find peace Mm. because, Mm -hmm. you know, I hadn't seen her for the past three, I guess you could say three months and she had deteriorated Mm -hmm. so quickly. And she was just like, you know what? I just don't, I, I, I don't want Lisa. I don't want this to be kind of, you know, the last I guess the last picture or the last experience, I want her to remember me, you know, as, as I am Mm -hmm. and not, you know, what kind of the cancer, what it, what it can do to the body, the mind, the soul, everything. So, you know, in so many ways, like she, she gave me that peace. So that's the only way to describe mm-hmm. it. Right. A kind of like otherworldly, like, okay, yeah. like, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a beautiful thing when you, when, when you reach a point where you, when you can realize that, you know, when you realize that there's nothing but peace and love, especially on the other side hundred percent, and that everything's in divine order and that there is absolutely no guilt or fear for you to carry with the death of someone, the loss of someone. Absolutely. So that's really beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what was it like for you after that? Um, so you were 18. Did yeah. you, so with the loss of her, like what happened after that? Did you, did you stay in Toronto? So I, so no, so I was in, I was in Edmonton at that time. So I flew back Mm. to, yeah, so I flew back to Edmonton and then it was. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there was, um, so the funeral was a few days after that. And then I was home for another three weeks when my family, I guess, insisted again, forced that I go back and complete my contract because again, it was what my mom wanted. And it was just Mm -hmm. something that I know and my family knew and kind of, we all knew that that was something that I had to finish and complete. Mm -hmm. So there I was three weeks later and I flew back and I regained the cast and I went back on the cruise ship. And I guess you can kind of say, this is where everything Everything else started because when I went back to the cruise ship, it was two weeks later that I actually met someone. Um, And it was uh, a man. And Mm -hmm. that kind of, 
that that <laughs> that that definitely that leads into the start of Lyme, but it also kind of leads into like my next step and like where I went and and kind of like the next, I guess you could say four or so years after that, because after my contract ended, I moved back, um, I moved back to Edmonton and I actually, two months before the end of my contract actually connected with this, with this, with this man. And we actually started dating and, and that's a whole story in itself, but he was actually from South Africa from Cape Town. (laughs) So way on the other side of the world, but we decided to stay together. And, and that kind of like fast forward two years of actually dating long distance. And then two years later (laughs) at the age of 20, I packed my bags and I moved to Africa. (laughs) Like, yeah, like it, it was, it, it was wild and it is wild. And it was just something that, um, was kind of like either he moves or I move situation. And because he was Mm -hmm. very, um, he had just started kind of like a specialization in his field and it was easier for me to move. I Mm -hmm. was the one to make the move. So I picked up and, and moved to South Africa when I was 20, which is, even just crazy to think about. <laughs> and what were you doing at that time for work? Were you still dancing? So I wasn't dancing. I'd actually, so in between that time, between coming back from like the cruise ship and then moving to South Africa, I was working part-time, part-time or full-time, I can't remember, but I was working at Lululemon, which is, yeah, that's, it's, it's been a part of my journey for, for a while. It's kind of, it wasn't my first job, but I, I've definitely worked at Lululemon a few times. And, and then I actually went back to school for, um, for sciences and education because I had no idea at that point. Um, all I knew at that point, I guess you could say was, because I was always fascinated in the body. I kind of went the sciences route and I always excelled in sciences, but I wasn't uh, so concrete in what I wanted that to develop into. So I kind of just went went back to school in the meantime and, and started to study that in Edmonton. And then when I kind of made the decision to move, I left my studies there and then moved to South Africa. And then in South Africa, I actually found kind of like a new, yeah, I feel like I've had a lot of lives in in a short span of Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. But in South Africa, I actually started to study um, social work. So that was kind of, um, I guess you could say where my a big part of my foundation even lies today is the, Mm -hmm. the helping. Like I, Mm -hmm. I I just, I, the core foundation of everything I do is to help others. So at that period, um, in my life, social work just felt very like natural and intuitive. And Mm -hmm. it was kind of just what I, um, what, what I gravitated towards, I guess you could say. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you were in South Africa, and I believe I remember you telling me, I think this is where you started yes, having yes, symptoms, right? absolutely. So this is kind of, you know, going back to the start of Lyme. So it was actually in 2006, so about two years into living in South Africa. And I was in South Africa for about four years. It was in 2006 that I started to um, just get symptoms, like 
I guess you could say it was pretty night and day, but it was just starting to, you know, just waking up day after day and being like, hmm, something doesn't feel right. Like I, I, I don't feel like myself. I feel more tired. I don't feel like working out. And then it kind of just started to develop into other symptoms. And I started to kind of just have more headaches and I started to feel weird sensations in my body. I started to just kind of think I was imagining them. But as time went on, I was like, no, definitely not imagining, you know, feeling like weakness of my limbs or my arms feeling like they're going numb or my feet feeling like they're, you know, going numb. And then I started to have like digestion issues. And I guess you could say that was like the start of it. But, you know, mm-hmm. with, with that, I was, I kind of had access. So my ex-partner actually was in the medical field and was a doctor and had kind of like, I had access to testing. So as I started to experience these symptoms, I also started to kind of, this was the start of the crazy journey through the medical system. And I started to get blood drawn every week and I started to see all of these specialists and I got MRI scans and I started to just kind of like get tested for stuff. And, um, the only thing that really came up on a, like on a low grade level was mono Epstein-Barr virus. Mm. And, um, and then I think another one was like, maybe like a low B12, um, level, Mm -hmm. but pretty much other than that, I pretty much walked away with it being like, oh, like you're fine. Um, you're just going to have to wait for the, for the mono, for the virus to run its course. So I was like, okay. Right. Like you're at that point. And mm-hmm. when you're younger, mm-hmm. you look back and you're like, okay, like doctor tells you this, you're like, okay. Yeah. Right. Like you don't really argue. Yeah. And you don't question. Well, I think that a lot, I think that's the case with a lot of people, even today. Like, absolutely. It, it, that's kind of part. I mean, I don't want to go too in depth about my opinions on the medical field, especially. Yeah, we could have a whole podcast on that in itself. Yeah. I know. But, but, um, no, and I'm in, I have no disrespect to my dad. I, I, I adore him and he's an incredible doctor, but, but, um, there are a lot of, you know, again, this goes in, this conversation could go very far for sure, but right. So you, so, so, so you, you were just listening to what they were saying to you because yeah. that's, we, that's what you do. You trust, you trust, you trust them. You trust. And I guess this gets down to like the bigger kind of like core foundation of, I guess now where I I stand with all of that is that we're taught to trust the doctor instead of to trust our own body, right? Like that's extremely clear. I think that's where so much rides on, like in, in any sort of healing and in our own healing journey that like, okay, here's a doctor, they know. Um, and then it's like, you know, you kind of go, you, you shrink smaller, you shrink smaller. Cause you're like, okay, yep. You know, you know, the body, I don't. Right. And that's, and that's not necessarily, I think to clear up what we were saying before, it's not necessarily the doctor's fault. It's almost more of a societal thing where it's like, we're not taught to how to listen to our bodies or, or, or how to be in tune with ourselves. It's, it's, 
there's a big, big issue there as well with people just, you know, oh God, it could go on. Yeah. Another <laughs> conversation. Yeah. No, but you're, you're right. It, I think it's deeper than that. It, the medical system is highlighting it and bringing light and bringing kind of like, um, a platform for it. But I think it's the underlying belief system that we've just been, been taught. So the doctors are really, again, kind of like, and I know your dad's a doctor and there are so many great like doctors, like if I, you know, break my leg or cut my arm open, like I'm not going to like patch it up with herbs, right? Like you need, like, right. We need, we need doctors (laughs) and it's, it, they're, they are so incredible. So, right. Like just to kind of like make that known that it's not the doctors, it's the underlying belief system that we've been pulled away from where we are powerless, where we don't hold power. They do. So it's that kind of, I guess, distinction that we're making. And that's kind of where I sunk into yet intuitively, like deeper, deeper down. I was like, you know what? No, like I, I, am not accepting that. Like I get it and I hear what you're saying, but I'm not accepting that. Like, it's not that I wanted to find something wrong with me, but I was just like, no, it just doesn't feel right. So I guess you could say fast forward to a couple years, um, from that, And I move away from South Africa and it was a beautiful season, a beautiful journey. It was just, it was time for it to end, um, personally in the relationship, but also just where I was in my life and where, you know, I was kind of in this like limbo stage that I'd completed my diploma, um, in social work in South Africa And just with everything that was going on in my body, I didn't, I started to kind of lose a sense of like who I even was. So I kind of had to like, Mm -hmm. I had to move on and I knew that was like a beautiful ending and that it served its purpose in every way. And it was so beautiful and I have nothing, um, nothing. I don't have really a lot of negative things to say anyways, but just in general, like Mm -hmm. it was a beautiful season and it was time for me to move on. So I actually moved Mm -hmm. back, um, to Edmonton and this is kind of like a funny story, but when I was living in South Africa, I actually started to develop this like big passion for fashion. And I believe a part of that was, um, it was a healing tool. It was something that I could connect to beyond myself. And I started a fashion blog when like, it kind of just started to come onto the scene and Mm -hmm. it was like a personal fashion blog. So I used to take photos of myself in outfits Mm -hmm. And it was such a great, like just a great creative uh, outlet for me. It was a healing tool. It was a way for me to take Mm -hmm. my mind off of things that I was experiencing because I had Mm -hmm. a thousand percent had started to develop, um, I I guess, hypochondria, like become a hypochondriac. Mm. And that's where that started because you have all of these doctors and people telling you and you go through MRI scans and just like, just really traumatizing like medical stuff. And then they, they're like, no, like you're good, but then you still feel something. So then you're just like, anyone mentions anything, or then you start to delve into the internet and you're just like, I literally have every disease under the sun. So like that is kind of where that led to. And Mm -hmm. I found that having that blog and having that kind of um, 
platform for me was mm. really, really, really healing. And which led me into my next kind of like chapter of life where this passion for fashion was like really, um, really deep and I wanted to explore it. So I don't know how I made it work, but I actually got accepted into FIT. So in New York, mm. yeah, fashion That's where Institute. I went. Did, Did you talk about this? No, no, I didn't yeah, know that. I went there. No way. <laughs> Yeah. Crazy. What did you take? I know. I studied merchandising for the first two years because they do the two-year program followed by the two-year bachelor's. Um, so I did merchandising for the first two years. And then my bachelor's was in this really, really tiny program called fabric styling, which kind of ah. is, is a funny, yeah, it's a funny program. But um, what about you? So Yeah, so, so I did me, the same. Did I you did- go? Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did this. So I only did the two year. I did the diploma in merchandising marketing. Wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And you were living in, so so you moved to New York. York. Yeah. I I moved to New York and reflecting back. And so during, so during all of, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say kind of reflecting back on New York or even kind of moving there, I thought it would be kind of like, I guess you could say in quotes, healing, right? Kind of this new chapter, this new journey. Mm. I thought my body would um, really embrace it and it would be really good. But actually New York ended up being like the most difficult, like one of the darkest periods ever. I mean, I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. any other, I mean, I can't imagine like being in New York during trying to heal during uh, like a, just, just being in New York city, trying to heal gives me anxiety. Yeah. Just and in I general. I love New York. So do I. Yeah. Yeah. So do I. I think it's, so, it, yeah. So I was going to, I was going to ask you, so when you, this kind of ties into what you were kind where you were moving, I think, but Um, I'm curious through all of this, like what was still going on for you? What kind of symptoms were you having? And, and like, where, where was your mind at this time? Like, where were you mentally? Mm -hmm. So the symptoms I were having, so the really interesting thing, I guess you could say about Lyme, or at that point, I didn't know what was going on was that it's a very kind of like whack-a-mole situation. So you might be experiencing something for like, three days and then it like totally vanishes or you might literally have like, and some were kind of like, some were consistent. So I guess the consistency of it was, um, just really like more so the hypochondriac. So kind of like a little bit of like a paranoia, um, situation, which is like, to be understood in some ways, but the kind of imbalances of what was going on in my body definitely exacerbated that, you know, in many ways. So Mm -hmm. that was like a huge, that Mm -hmm. it manifested for me in that, in a really large way. Like I would joke that I was a worry wart, um, but it, it was so much deeper than that. Right. Like it was so much Mm -hmm. deeper. And then in terms of just like physical symptoms. It was, yeah, kind of that whack-a-mole. So like, for example, one day I would pick up the phone and I would feel like, like my tongue was like 10 times its size. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but like, I couldn't talk. Like I just couldn't, I'd pick up the phone to like say something or call someone and have to do something and I'd have to hang up. Like, I just was like, like I, I, like I I was just like, I can't, like, I I can't get out what I want to say. I just like physically can't talk. And then you add in the kind of like, 
the digestive distress. So I was having lots of um, digestion, digestive issues. And mm. um, New York was when things started. So up until, I guess you could say, um, New York, most things were internal, right? So even though I was experiencing all of these symptoms, it was really internalized, right? So kind of like any fear or pain or joint pain or fatigue, all of that is, um, I guess you could say, and this, this is one of the big issues in our world is that so many people are suffering, but we just don't know because it's all inside. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But New York was when it actually started to manifest um, externally. So this is where I started to lose my hair. Um, I lost, mm-hmm. oh yeah, over like half my head of hair. And that was like a traumatic story. And then I started to develop really wow. bad acne, which was um, really, really traumatizing. And it was really something that really left a dent in so many areas of my life, even though to a lot of people it might seem extremely trivial or, you know, someone have never had to deal with anything with their skin. Um, but if you Mm -hmm. have, I'm, I'm sure you guys just like really understand and get it that it's, it goes way beyond just the skin or the breakout Mm. or the pimple or whatever it is that's, that's happening externally. It goes so much deeper. So that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like they they have that saying, like skin deep, right? Like it's, it's, it's an inner outer, um, kind of. Well, and our face is how, our face in a way is how we present ourselves to the world. Our bodies are. So when, when things start to happen physically on the outside, that's when it starts to be like, whoa, okay, what is going on here? Absolutely. It's scary. It's It's extremely scary. Yeah. And it's scary because it's, you can kind of just like throw up your hands and be like, I don't know what's like, I like, I just don't know. I don't know what to do. And that kind of started to delve me into Mm. like trying all of the things. Like I'm talking everything Mm. from like toothpaste to like the harsh, like benzoyl peroxides and salicylic acids. And I remember even putting like like pure, like we're talking pure lemon juice on my face to help with scarring, which like burnt my skin. Um, and like, I literally was that person, Kelly, like walking down the street with a hat, with an umbrella, like on in New York city. Cause my skin was just so sensitive. Like if it saw sunlight, like it would just, it would, um, blow up. So that was when, the inner started to reflect outer. And even during this time, so actually in New York, I actually saw some, um, I saw some medical doctors and I saw a naturopath and cause I was still searching, right? So I still was searching for answers and searching for things because it just, I didn't have any answers. And then I started to get um, really bad, like vertigo and I would get lost in the city. So my roommate had to like, Mm, come get me and come find me. I was too scared to like find my way back to the apartment and just all these things were going on. So then naturally, right. You either seek online, um, which is a very dangerous, dangerous, dangerous place Mm. to, um, search. Mm. I think obviously a a thousand percent, it can be so helpful and there's, there's so much out there, but I think because there is so much out there and, and 
to be honest, most of it probably doesn't apply to you, but you'll find a way that it does and you'll twist it and you'll like work Mm -hmm. with it because it gives you comfort. Right. So Mm -hmm. you piece together your symptoms and then it's like, okay, well, like this is what I have. At least it's more comfortable than being in the unknown. Right. Yeah. So that, yeah, New York was, New York was dark. New York was, I was extremely isolated. I, because of everything that was like manifesting internally and externally, I didn't make a lot of deep connections or friendships. I would just say mostly Mm -hmm. my roommates Mm -hmm. and then a couple other, um, really, really, really good friends with, um, and one specifically that like, she's still one of my best friends today. And she kind of knows the like ins and outs of, of it. Um, because I didn't really open mm-hmm. up to a lot of people. It was very isolating, extremely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so from New York, where did you go? What happened? Yeah, so from New York, I finally reached a point. So I had, I had graduated um, the program, and then I ended up, because of my visa, I could work for a year. So I ended up working for a year and just experiencing the city and 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 that kind of like lifestyle. And then I got to a point, so it was June June in 2012 that I was like, no, have to leave the city Mm. and have to figure this out. Like it had been six years already of Mm -hmm. symptoms of, you know, things kind of like peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys and then like really, really, really deep valleys and maybe coming up a little bit and then going back down. So Mm. it was just kind of this like extreme roller coaster and it just got to be a point where A, like you said, like it's extremely difficult to heal in a city like New York. And and B, like I just needed to to figure this out. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm extremely I'm extremely determined and extremely, I guess, stubborn in a way that I was like, no, 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 like I have to figure this out. So I moved back in June in 2012. And fast forward to September 30th of 2012. And it's also beautiful how everything works out because, again, I just believe everything, like we were saying before, is so synchronistic. And it was the run for the cure, the day of the run for the cure. And my mom had passed away from breast cancer. So it was just something that Mm. we did as a family. And I remember that day and not feeling well at all. Like I just didn't think I could, I could do it. I didn't have the energy. I felt really weak. I felt really wobbly, but I, Mm. you know, you think about like, well, I thought about what my mom went through and I just was like, no, Lisa, you have no excuse, like no excuse not to do this for her, but also Mm -hmm. for yourself. So I, you know, I did it. And it was that day that I came back and I was just like on my knees in a ball crying and just being Mm. like, like, give me something like God, universe, like my mom, like, like anyone, like, just give me something. I'm like, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And I'm scared and I'm alone and no one understands me and my family's like, you know, they love me and they're loving me, but they don't understand. Like they think I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, probably lying or they just have no idea. And I just felt Mm -hmm. so alone. And I just remember that day and a hundred percent, I heard a voice and a hundred percent, it was my mom. And the word Mm. that I heard was Lyme disease. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. That gave me chills. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I heard it. I would have like, like, like I had never. And the interesting thing, Kelly, in like all these six years, like not one person, like no one mentioned it. No one, no natural practitioner, no doctor, no, I saw an infectious disease specialist, like no one. Um, wow. yeah. So to hear that, I was like, huh? Like I actually didn't even re- really know what it was. Like I just, I had no clue. Mm-hmm. And that kind of went down, you know, kind of guided me down the rabbit hole of, of Lyme disease and that whole world. And, you know, I, yeah. I like the, that, that moment I like ran over to just like Dr. Google and was like Lyme disease and just like <laughs> devoured as much information as I could. And then I pretty much was just like, yep, okay, this is what I have. And I called that moment, I called the National Lyme Disease Association of North America. And I, I was like, hi, um, I think I have Lyme disease. What do I do? <laughs> and yeah, it was so funny. Like that's, that's legit what I said. I was just like, I don't know. Like I'm here in Canada and this is just what I feel. And I haven't, there's like, I don't have a test, like, but I'm like, this is what I have. And so mm-hmm. she guided me to a natural practitioner, um, which I was really lucky that, she, you know, she was a ND who specialized in seeing like Lyme, Lyme, um, Lyme patients. And she was only three hours away. Mm-hmm. So I was in the office the next, uh, the next week. And mm-hmm. she pretty much was just like, did an examination and kind of, kind of followed the same lines of like, hmm, I, I, I also don't know if this is like what you have and was a little kind of like weary because I presented pretty healthy. And even though mm-hmm. inside I was like, I am not like I am, I am mm-hmm. anything but, um, mm-hmm. but anyway, she was like, you know what, like Lisa, let's just like, you're here. Let's do the test. Like, let's, let's just, let's do it. So it's actually a blood test that I had to send in. They used a lab in California. So I had to go home, mm-hmm. get my blood drawn, and we had to FedEx my blood same day to um, Igenix, which is a tick-borne illness lab in California. And it was, so this is the kind of the day, so it was December 12th, 2012, um, that my doctor called and she was like, Lisa, I don't know what else to tell you, but like, it's, it's confirmed you have chronic, uh, chronic Lyme disease. So that was, yeah, yeah, that was the, the call, (laughs) I guess you could say. That was, was that relieving in a way? hundred percent. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was the one thing that like, even if you ask me to this day, what it felt like, it felt like I was seen, like I was heard. I, I had so many doctors along the way, like just think I was crazy, wanted to prescribe me medication, was just kind of like, um, just like bypassed me, was kind of just like, you know, whatever, like you're fine, Mm -hmm. you're fine. Mm -hmm. And even though, yes, like I was fine, um, there was still the way that I look at the body and the way that I look at healing and illness, like my body was still imbalanced. So yeah. there, it wasn't fine. If the body's not imbalanced, then there's something off. So we need to get it back in balance. And yeah, yeah. so it was when she called, like, I, I remember crying, but I remember being like, like, thank you. <laughs> like, they, like, 
Thank you for telling me this. And mm. so it was a really, yeah, it was a powerful call. And it was, uh, um, after six years, it was just, it was an answer. It wasn't, so this is actually mm. something that we can either discuss or not. Like, because I just don't, I don't fully believe in like, taking on a diagnosis or an illness, because I believe that can like mm -hmm. also get really scary in the sense of, um, being attached to yeah, it. I would love for you to go into this yeah. because I hate, I, I, and I discussed this, I think in like my, in my first episode with Lacey, actually with Lacey Phillips, yeah. we talk about labels a little bit yeah. and how dangerous they can be because you really do kind of start, <clears throat> excuse me, you start to pigeonhole yourself. Absolutely. Um, and you kind of end up putting blinders on and using, I think often it can kind of be an excuse or you start to, you know, the mind can do crazy things. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. I, I actually, I love Lacey. I follow her as well. Um, and yeah, kind of going on that, the fact that like, really, if you think of it, and I guess this is the way that I think of it is any sort of symptom or any sort of like imbalance in the body we've just been given by the medical system and by people and by people who've developed like treatments. Like they're, they're literally just like, even like, let's take for limes, for example, like it's literally named after a town in Connecticut, right? Like, so it, it holds, mm. it holds no meaning. The meaning comes from what you define it as or what you embody. So yeah. you can either take Lyme disease and think it's, it's, it's an illness. It's a disease. I'm, I'm sick. I'm like, there's something like I'm broken. Like there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's, I guess that can yeah. go, that can go for any, that can go for like, we're using yeah. Lyme as an example, but it can really go for anything. And I see that as such a block in healing because mm -hmm. one, it can give us comfort. And I absolutely understand that. But on the other hand, it can also, it can give us uh, comfort in the way that allows us to stay there and stay in that illness yep. and stay yeah. sick, for lack of a better, you know, to kind of put it a little bit more. I agree. Well, because you know what else, and what kind of adds to that is that, and here's the thing, is that people take their diagnoses as a life sentence. Yeah. And I know that you and I both believe because that's what's traditionally believed, yeah. right? And if yeah. for a lot of disease and for someone who's diagnosed with depression, anxiety, Lyme disease, PTSD, whatever it is, it's kind of like, here's some medication and you are probably going to be on this for the rest of your life because yeah. we don't actually know what's causing this or, and you know, and, and you're not well, so here you go. Yeah. And it's like, it's... You know, it's certainly more alternative, I think, to believe that you can heal yourself, but you have healed yourself, have you not? Yeah, I guess you can start to kind of delve into like, you know, what what is the definition of healing and like, and right, I guess, right, the, right? <laughs> like it, you can kind of get to yeah, this, like yeah. even like, so I, even when I, when I, when I'm with my clients, like I am, I'm also really like. I don't want to say tough love, but I'm super, I'm super realistic because to say like you will be healed, 
I just don't know if we, in quotes, ever are because there's always next stages and next levels, right? And I know you totally embody that and totally, totally, um, totally live it. But I think, yes, a hundred percent, we can get back to like extreme balance by figuring out what works for us on, on our path, um, I always talk a lot about like foundations. So to lay our foundation brick by brick. And that's why I'll never prescribe to like, you know, a one size fits all or a quick fix or, you know, or even allowing people. So kind of going back to the label situation is that, yes, so if that makes you feel like safe and, and comfortable, but how can we still lay a foundation without you, like having to keep on referring back to the label, you know? So you can Mm -hmm. like, you can, I don't know. I don't even like people like speaking it over and over again, because I think it just gives it more power and more energy. And because I work Mm -hmm. a lot with Mm -hmm. energy because we are energy Mm -hmm. and so is our imbalances, you know, it's just vibrating at a lower frequency we just have to get the the kind of like the body back vibrating in, in unity in, in kind yeah. of like, you know, in a whole. So have you, have you, um, have you taken a Lyme test since? No. So that is an interesting question. Cause I guess that delves kind of into what we, what we were talking about is that I just don't want a number or a test Mm -hmm. to define how Mm. I'm feeling and where I am on my journey, because I think it would be too easy that say, for example, even though, you know, I feel great and my energy and like it's, but then the number maybe reflects something else just because I haven't Mm -hmm. fully a hundred percent restored some of like, you know, my cells or my organs are still internally still healing tissue. And, you know, there are those certain aspects that I think kind of like you were, you know, and I'm super passionate about the mind body connection is that the mind can take you crazy places that, Mm -hmm. you know, say for example, you get a test and it is lower, then it's like, oh my gosh, like you start to delve into that and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm sick or I'm, you know, and then your body feels it. So then you do feel imbalanced again. Right. So there's that but you kind overall. Of- right. Right. But so overall, like you, in terms of just, I know I'm kind of like pushing a little bit because yeah. I know how much you yeah. <laughs> I know how much, and I, I appreciate this so much about you is that you know, when I watch your Instagram stories and people are constantly asking like, how do I fix this? How do I fix yeah. this? How do I fix this? And you're like, it's so individual. And yeah. I so get that. And I, I believe that so deeply that they're like you were saying, there's no one size fits all. Yeah. But for the most part you have, like you aren't having those intense symptoms yeah. that you're having. Yeah. And that, and that's been natural. So I want to, right? I mean, you, you, yeah. So yeah. I want to talk about what that was like for you. Yeah. That, so when I got, um, I guess we, this can kind of like link back to why I started studying nutrition because when I started to feel symptomatic in 2006, I was extremely lucky in the sense that I started to really connect the dots that 
we are a human body and we are cells and what we eat helps make up that. It doesn't make up everything, but it definitely makes up a lot of, you know, our cellular makeup. It tells ourselves what to do and it nourishes us and it nourishes every single part of us. So I was really lucky back then that I started to make those dots and I started to just like started to kind of delve deep into, um, acid, like the most, the, like the basic foundations of nutrition, right? Like acid alkaline, like looking into like what inflames a body, what doesn't inflame a body. So I guess you could say that's when I started to like, I cut out, um, dairy when I was living in South Africa. I cut out, um, eggs. I cut out, I actually cut out meat, although I don't like to define myself again as a label, but I was, um, I guess you could say pretty much vegan for a few years. So I started Mm -hmm. to just slowly self-educate myself on, on my body, because as doctors or people were saying, you know, you're crazy. I was saying, well, I do have control over what I put in my mouth. So if that's the one thing I can control my state of being and my state of like, you know, physical body and the way that I choose to nourish myself, that's what I'm Mm going to do. So that's kind of where my foundation for nutrition started and my passion and and why I ultimately went on to um, study nutrition because it has such a solid base to this day of Mm -hmm. everything that I do. Like, and I don't want to say, um, that I'm, I'm strict about it. If anything, I, it's, it's so intuitive, but a hundred percent, I would say nutrition is, um, a big foundation for my healing and, and, and for my body to be in its optimal state. Like there's just, there's no denying that, right. The food has that part to play Mm -hmm. in all of our lives. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. Right. So you changed your eating habits. Yes. So I changed, I changed my eating habits and it's like, Kelly, I mean, I tried everything. I, so when I first got diagnosed in 2012, I was on the quest, like I'm talking quest for like the most healing diet in the world. (laughs) Like I, Mm -hmm. I tried everything. I, um, I was like macrobiotic. I tried paleo. I tried keto. I did vegetarian. I did pescatarian. I did 80, 10, 10. I was a fruitarian. Like I'm talking like legit, just fruit, (laughs) like AM to PM. Like I, I did it all because I was on this quest of, um, and this is where I think where I am now differs from where I am, um, back then, obviously like in six years you grow a lot, but I was constantly looking to, to so many external things. Right. So like, what was like, what's the perfect diet? What, like, how should Mm -hmm. I eat? Like getting to get someone else to tell me, right. Like being very, Mm-hmm. very defined. Um, and that's why I guess why you could say like, even, you know, through my, my own practice or what I put out there on social media is just that like, there isn't one, you know, like there's just, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I don't like to burst the bubble, but like, it takes work, I think, to tap into your intuitive, um, self or retap in because we all have the intuition but retap into what our body needs on every level so we can even delve deep into yeah. like 
nutrition is a layer, but then there's also like herbs, you know, in that. And then, you know, I don't use them anymore, but in another part of my healing was like essential oils for a part. Mm -hmm. And then I did kind of like the energy medicine. So I worked on my mind. I did Reiki and cranial sacral therapy. And I saw a counselor just to talk about like, just life, what, like what had happened Mm -hmm. and, and just to Mm -hmm. kind of, um, have someone there as support, which I think is, you know, something we both believe in that, like, we don't have to do this alone, even though we feel like it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I tell, you know, when people have asked me what my opinion or if they're struggling, I, you know, a lot of people feel this pressure that they're doing it on their own. And I'm, I, I mean, the amount of help that I've seeked out in my journey is in some way, probably similar to you and kind of anyone that I know who's really struggled and and tried to take a more natural path. But it's like, my God, the amount of healers and therapists and people I've seen, but I do have a therapist that I see weekly and it's like the most helpful, supportive Mm -hmm. thing that I've done for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more to, to seek out those people that we resonate with on every, on, on every level and what feels right for us. And I think because Mm -hmm. especially when, you know, a lot of times people, this is just actually a pattern that I've seen in my own practice, but just, you know, I, I only work with women, but just in like my own circle or like the wellness field is that a lot of us have a really kind of like, Mm -hmm. we hold ourselves up to really high standard and we're really hard on ourselves. So it, we need that outside source. And if we do believe and think we can get through it alone. I know for so long that I, you know, also had that mentality. I I can still have that mentality because of like what I've gone through in 12 years that I'm like, I'm a warrior. And like, I, you -hmm. know, that like, but then you really think and reflect that you're like, well, I don't, I am, but I don't have to be, you know, I I just, I don't have Mm -hmm. to be, I can be both. I can Mm -hmm. be a warrior and I can be, you know, the strong, human and super resilient, but like, I can also Mm -hmm. seek help if I need it in certain areas or look for guidance and in specific areas. And I think that is the most like authentic and truthful and healing thing you can actually do on your journey. Mm -hmm. I agree. So from, so you started to heal yourself kind of all of the levels and, and, um, And then, so when was it, there's two questions here. How long did it take you really to get back to feeling, to start to feel normal again or to start feel good, to start feeling like you were on the right track? Mm Mm-hmm. So, and was there anything, yeah, actually you, you go, cause I'm going to start rambling, asking a million <laughs> questions. So start, start there, start there. Okay. So I would probably say, um, okay. So it was 2012, um, that I kind of started to like, pro- so I kind of look at it as, as like a pre and a post. So pre 2012, those six years and then post 2012. So I started to, yes, do a kind of like all the things like, find, find what foods worked for me and what foods didn't delved into, you know, all of these healing modalities and started to 
do my own work, um, just even through like studying nutrition, like formally. And then, mm-hmm. um, just in terms, yeah, I'm just trying to kind of like timeline it out. So if I were to like really dig deep and kind of like set like a day or time, I probably say, so if I got diagnosed in 2012, but I was started to feel symptoms in 2006, I would say it was around 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. around, so definitely a few years to, to get back to, get back to myself, but also kind of start to let some of the, I guess, um, some of the processes, but also some of the like the the mental aspects of it go, right? Because I think yeah. healing in itself yeah. can also sometimes be have its own trauma because mm-hmm. it can be really, really, really intense. And you get so sometimes um, addicted to, Mm-hmm. the healing and to the process and to the trauma and to the suffering that you kind of have to like heal that and you kind of have to let it go and because you identify yeah. it you identify with it and you almost become this like yeah. like I am a healer and like I am on this quest and it's like it's a really like definitive kind of like state of being that you get into that you kind of have to like mm-hmm. break up with in some way or another. And I found that that started to happen around 2014 ish, 2015, that I could start not lose my foundation and not grow my foundation, but just let go a lot of the stuff that I yeah. knew wasn't going to serve me moving forward and if I were to do anything else, like moving forward in that like process or in healing, it would just be different. It wouldn't be what that was. So I had to like, I had to let it go, which can again be hard. It can be really hard to let go of that part of you. Well, and not to mention too, how to talk about how to mention how long it does take for your body to heal naturally and that's I think another challenge with you know people today we we we're so used to getting things instantly Mm -hmm. and oftentimes we're promised instant um instant relief with certain medications yeah and and when you are when you do dedicate to natural healing it is a it's not a linear process and b it just it flat out takes time yeah yeah, a thousand percent. Like, and I think that's something super important to keep reminding um, my clients, myself, like those around me, and just the the greater kind of like world. Even now, so even even in a greater sense, because we are so instantaneous, and everything is like at our disposal and we can, you know, do all the things and take all the things and we just expect to be, you know, mm-hmm. to, ha- mm-hmm. to have results or to be in quotes 
healed. And I think that again, and is is another block in our own healing because oftentimes why it takes so long is yes, we have to work with the body's innate healing capabilities, but we also have to work on like the core and like go deeper Mm -hmm. in healing the mental, the emotional, the fears, the like all of those things, which like are part of it. We can't just heal one part and not heal the other. And then expect, you know, our body to, to Mm -hmm. kind of just like function because our body is like, I always say the trifecta body, mind, and soul. And we have to target all three (laughs) to, Mm -hmm. to get back to our, our whole self. If we ignore one, Mm -hmm. um, then I, I, that's where I personally, um, and also just through experience, what I see is kind of like some missing, um, missing areas when someone is in, I guess, you know, symptomatic or they've, or they have an illness that they see it, I think as linear and Mm -hmm. it's just not like, it's just not, it's Mm -hmm. not in Mm -hmm. any sense. I know. I know. So during this time, were you studying, were you kind of on, you know, studying nutrition and yeah, leading yourself towards where you are now? Like how did you, when was it that you realized that you wanted to do what you're doing now and how did you get there? Yeah. So that I started actually, it was January 1st, 2013 that actually published uh, my first blog post on life by lease, which is my, which is my business now. Yeah. Yeah. So I got diagnosed December 12th, 2012. And I published first blog post Like, I just remember thinking like, okay, this is a new beginning because I was still operating under the, um, my old blog, Lease Look. So that was the fashion blog. So it was Mm -hmm. kind of that transition of documenting, like a part of, I created it was kind of just to document part of my journey. Um, so it was, it was healing for me. And then I thought, heck, like if, if I'm experiencing this, so are other people. So I thought it could help other people and, mm-hmm. and just kind of like through that. And I was like, I was literally blogging like Monday to Friday for so many years, like wow. daily, daily, daily. Yeah. It was a really, um, it was a really po- important part of my, I guess you could say like, even a healing tool, like it really, 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 um, it really helped me. So that is kind of Mm -hmm. where life by lease started. So that was 2013. It's now 2018. And it's really kind of just been like super organic, super like authentic. Like there's been no, um, there's been no, I guess, instantaneous like results. Like it's literally just been like day by day, client by client, blog post by blog post, like, you know, just really taking that like one step in front of the other. And through that process, like honing my skills, digging deeper into myself and growing in knowledge, growing in self, growing in experience and just 
all the areas to really just like mm-hmm. continue to evolve and grow and upgrade. And it's really just been like a natural evolution. I've, I've had, I've never had a business plan. I've never had like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not entrepreneurial by nature. My brother is. So I saw that my brother is like this massive businessman and, you know, I've seen it, but it's, it's, it's not really natural. All I can do is be myself. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing I know how to do. So it, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's been the most, uh, beautiful process, but it also kind of like my healing journey. It hasn't been a quick process, you know, I, I, it just hasn't been this Mm -hmm. like, like boom business. And so I'm still learning and growing in that and, and what that, what that looks like, but that's kind of where you have, go ahead. No, it's just that that's where it is. Um, today, like I, yeah, yeah. Do you have any rituals that you've adopted that you do in the morning or that you would do at night? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I am very ritualistic. I think in rituals we find grounding and peace and, and serenity and yeah, just, it starts out everything or it ends kind of like it puts a um, nightcap to our day. So for sure, and people think I'm always crazy, but I'm a morning person. So I have no problem getting up. I actually enjoy the the window around kind of like 5 a.m. to 5.30. It's, I, wow. yeah, I think. I consider myself a morning person. I'm like a 7 a.m. person. <laughs> well, that's and early. I, that, I would consider that morning, but 5 a.m. is. Yeah. That's next level. Yeah. It's something that, and again, I didn't like. It, it that's also been a natural progression. So even when I have clients that like want to work on, you know, not forcing themselves to get up at like five thirty or six, but it's just they feel like kind of like a deep desire to. Then it it, it takes time. It's not a instantaneous. Like if you've been getting up for seven thirty, you don't all of a sudden start getting up at five. It's just you're gonna, you know, your body likes rhythm and your body likes the rhythmic flow of things. So, but I. I just naturally feel my best in the morning. And I think it's really like magical. So that's like super real, like ritualistic for me to get up and to have that space. And Mm -hmm. I would say for me, it's not every day, but definitely ritual to um, move, to work out. And I've gone through kind of like my own evolution with working out as well and finding what works. And I'm now at a, a lot more um, gentler. I've found kind of like what works for my body. And it's really like gentle and like small hand weights and really kind of just like resistance and bands and small movements. And, you know, before kind of what I do now, I did ballet beautiful. So yeah, something in the morning that just kind of like, gives me flow. It allows, um, kind of like my glandular system, like everything to just move. I'm super into flow and super into moving and kind of allowing that fluidity to start my day. Um, and of course, Mm -hmm. like just a whole heap of like lemon water in the morning to, to refresh and to realkalize and just to kind of like love my liver a bit. That's super important. Mm -hmm. And I definitely, um, meditate, although it's not always in the morning. So sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. 
And I don't, I guess I, I don't know if I would even define that as a ritual. I just think it's like a state of being or just innate, you know, like it's not very mm-hmm. prescriptive. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe mm-hmm. like a workout or like drinking the water, it's pretty like, it's pretty prescriptive. It's pretty ritualistic, but I, I, I allow my meditation to just be, if that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And actually just recently I got, I got into uh, Kundalini. So that's kind of like a whole other, <laughs> a whole other Did world. I've, yeah. been wanting, I've been wanting to try Kundalini for years and I just haven't, I haven't dipped my toes yet. Yeah. I was the same to be honest. And, and I kind of, again, to be really honest, for some reason felt a resistance to it for a really long time. And I don't know why, and there's no really explanation for it. Just something kind of turned me off, um, just intuitively. But then there was one day I was like just meditating and I had my journal in front of me and I just sat down to meditate and I just opened up my journal. But before I went into meditation, I was just like, like body, like mind, tell me things that I need. And I come out Mm. like from the meditation and the first thing I wrote was Kundalini, <laughs> like Kundalini yoga. Mm. Yeah. So. Wow. So how long have you been practicing Kundalini? Uh, about three weeks. So it's like really new. It's really new. Oh, yeah. It's, so it's really new. And you're enjoying it? I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh yeah. God, amazing. Yeah. 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 I resonate with it. Good. And for some reason, kind of like you, it was on my radar. But I believe mm-hmm. we always kind of fall into things when we need it. So it just wasn't the right time. Yeah. It's not that it was like not for me. It just wasn't the right time for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. So Kundalini. Okay. So um, those you're, you're still on your morning rituals. Yeah. So for sure. And you know, kind of like, like everyone breakfast in the morning, but that also looks really different. Like some days I will, um, and I usually, so if I do work out, I will eat after because it's so early. I just don't, you know, have an appetite at like five 30 in the morning. And I like to gently wake up the body. So not just to like instill it with, you know, all of this food because digestion can be really taxing on our system. So I kind of like to gently, you know, wake it up then allow itself to, to kind of work with me instead of like, be like, you're eating like right now. <laughs> like I want you to eat body. I allow my body to kind of like speak to me. So breakfast will either be, um, a smoothie. So something like really, really green or something with like berries and, adaptogens and greens. And, um, I try not to make it too crazy, to be honest. I like to stick with a lot of like whole foods and not go, I think we can go like overboard with things nowadays Mm -hmm. with all of the, the potions and the powder. So I do still use things, but I like to keep it a little bit more simplistic. And Mm -hmm. I also like to have fruit in the morning because it's really cleansing. Um, it's cleanse, like cleansing for our system. It's one of the most easily digestible things, right? It kind of like in and out in mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Like your body knows what to do with it. It's super, um, yeah, it's, it's not taxing on the body to digest. So 
I would say, oh, and then another thing, I know we spoke about this. Um, I wasn't doing this before. I would kind of just like read whenever I could, but now I've really set out before I delve into my work or emails or clients or writing or whatever I'm doing, I, I read. So first thing in the morning, mm. kind of after or with that kind of routine is I just read, like I, I soak up knowledge and I give back to myself instead of starting the day of like just immediately giving into others, which I can so easily get into, mm-hmm. right? Like the phone and emails. Yeah. It's just, oh. it calls to us. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. God, the thought of reading when I wake up gives like gives me anxiety because I'm so programmed to wake up and I do meditate every morning. Yeah. But then I'm like, all right, meditation's done. I got to get going. And um, I just love, as someone who loves mornings, it's just so nice to think about having a slow and like nutritious and delicious morning mm-hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that you read in the morning. Yeah. And I think it's kind of, I guess you can say with like a lot of things, it's like, um, it's intentional. So where I see for my clients or for people that are maybe struggling with um, either their routines or their health or just kind of where they're going, I think that we have to, we have to practice and be intentional of what we want because it is so easy to just get and get wrapped up in in things in life. And if people say they don't have time, then I always encourage them to get up a little bit earlier to make that time if they want it. Like it doesn't, right. You don't have to be like, you need to do this. And you know, you don't have to be, um, what's the word like disciplinary and like super strict about it. But I think, being intentional and mindful, um, if you want to kind of, if you want, I guess, the results, right? If, if, if you're mm-hmm. cool where everything is, then again, I don't judge a soul no matter what, who they are, where they are mm-hmm. on their journey. It is everyone's on their own unique, beautiful journey. And I embrace that. But if someone wants to change, then we have to delve deep and, and, and establish that, like, space to change and hold that space for that person to create new rituals, routines, habits. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and what about nighttime rituals? Any of those? Yeah. So nighttime is usually, um, always like nine times out of 10, like I'm cooking dinner, um, making like a big nourishing meal for me and my, um, now husband, but my partner. And I think it's just, yeah, it's something that you can connect over. And as you nourish your body, you can kind of, you know, I work from home most of the days, but my partner, um, you know, works outside the home. So to kind of like, for him, for me to, you know, to close my work down and then for him to come home. And I would say a big part of kind of like my evening routine is like to reconnect and to, mm-hmm. to again, establish that like intention, not like be intentional about creating space and holding space for, um, 
any relationship, really, like it could be dinner with a friend, but creating that space to nurture the relationship, to check in, to to eat, like nourishing food is such an important part of both of our lives. So that's definitely something that is kind of like a non-negotiable, obviously, like if the, if the evening doesn't allow it, but I would say connection, nourishment, um, just winding down. Like sometimes I will work or read if, um, Mm -hmm. if, yeah, if I have like a deadline or think something I have to get out, but usually my evenings, I would say are pretty calm, um, pretty kind of like setting the stage for, for just a nice, relaxing, like stressful evening. Sleep is super important for me. Mm-hmm. So trying mm-hmm. not to look at screens. I mean, it gets hard. Like you have to kind of work at that to switch things like power down to, I put my phone on airplane mode at a certain time. Like I really mm-hmm. just try to like disconnect some days I'm better than others. It's not, you know, it's not like, yeah. again, you're just like this, you know, warrior that like can just say no to like, it's, it's, it's hard, right? You get to, especially when you have so a business oh. or something that's connected yeah. to it. I know that can be an excuse, but it's also, it, it, it makes it really hard. I'm sure you find the same, the same thing with, I do. I do. It's really hard. And you, you know, I find myself checking Instagram a lot more than I maybe, maybe would um, if I wasn't running my business from it. Um, But now that I have the podcast, I'm like, I've, I'm, I'm checking three, I'm running three accounts daily. It's so intense. It is a lot of work. Oh my God. It is. But I also just find myself checking my phone all the time. So I've gotten so, I have had to become so strict on myself with, with just like, okay, it's off at this time. Like there was a period of time actually where I was deleting it from my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I would only, and I, the Instagram that is, um, and I would re-download it to maybe two or three times a day. I would allow myself. There was a couple of months that I was doing that and it helped so much. And then when I re-downloaded it, you know, I was like, okay, I don't need to keep doing this. It kind of got me into a better rhythm of being more mindful about when I was checking it, because when it wasn't on my phone, the amount of times that I would grab my phone to click on the app and it wasn't there was shocking. You know, that's when it would kind of like, I'd be like, oh my God, like I'm doing this totally mindlessly. That's the thing, right? Um, Like it becomes this other entity. And I find that even kind of like you said, deleting it, like I'm finding that for my own, like for my mental health, for my body, for my soul, Mm -hmm. I'm having to find, like I just take, usually it's the first weekend of the month where I do delete it for the whole weekend. And I'm just, I'm off. Like I don't bring my phone places. Like it's just off. And I'm even now thinking, right. That like I should do that every Sunday or every Saturday. Right. Like I have control. Sometimes it feels like you're not in control, but getting back to that, like for, you know, body, mind and soul and like optimal health and, and just continuing on like a healing life. It's like, I think it's important. Mm -hmm. I think we kind of have to be a little bit more like, you know, 
lay down the mm-hmm. law a bit for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so as we kind of start to wrap up, a question I like to ask is there's a couple of questions yeah. actually. Um were there any books or references that you have that you would highly recommend for anyone who is going through something similar or someone who's just struggling and looking for a little bit of light? Is there anything that you really, really resonated with? I mean, there are definitely, there's like kind of the classic, like Louise Hay was definitely someone that introduced me to mantras and affirmations Mm. and connecting the the mind to the body and, and kind of just that like link, like that connection between Mm -hmm. the control that we have. And I remember sometimes too, when I was, you know, back in Edmonton after I'd been diagnosed, like if I was driving someplace or I was going for a walk, like I just kept on reaffirming, like I'm healing, I'm healing, I'm healing. Like even Mm -hmm. if I didn't believe it or as cheesy as that sounds, our, you know, our thoughts, it, it's, they turn into emotions and then like certain neurotransmitters are released when that's happening. So it, it actually is important. And yeah, you know, I think we kind of just like toss it to the wayside, but I, I think it's really important. And I'm sure a lot of like your listeners or you, like, like Louise Hayes, definitely kind of like the the queen of, of, of that and introducing it into our, into our lives. I mean, it's been around forever, but I know a lot of people have connected, um, to that through her. So I would say her for Mm -hmm. that. And then Mm -hmm. I don't know, I kind of find a lot of inspiration or hope or just, I found a lot of light and just like other people, like no one really like famous or no famous book, but just Mm -hmm. in like everyday like life or, um, nature. I think nature is one of our biggest like Mm. teachers and lights and inspirations that we, again, just because it's always there, we kind of just bypass it. Like it just seems really like yeah. trivial, like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like there's trees and there's the sky and the yeah. sun and earth, but yeah. it is so important and something that I continually have to um, be mindful of living in a city of, of, mm-hmm. of reconnecting mm-hmm. because it can get, you can get really disconnected in so many ways, not being yeah. by it. Um, But yeah, there was a lot of like, I think little things along the way, but nothing like super stands out. I remember really connecting with, um, what's that? Um, The Four Agreements. That was a really good book. Don Miguel. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. 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 I remember that being just like super simple, but so impactful. Just like so impactful. That is a very good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like kind of foundational. So my final question, I haven't even been asking you questions, really. We've just kind of been moving <laughs> along. But <laughs> um, what <laughs> – I always feel funny when I ask this question because it 
I think it can be kind of loaded because I'm sure there's a million lessons, yeah. but, um, has there been like a greatest lesson for you or are there been a few lessons or is there something that you, you feel has just, was just like a big shift for you and something that you now know that you didn't prior to starting this journey? Yeah, I think there's a few, but the one that really is one that I, I still come back to like literally every single day is that, and we, you know, kind of started out with this is the fact that like we were designed to heal. Like it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about, but like thousands and thousands of years ago, and actually not too long ago, it's like the body was healing itself, right? Like it it just, Mm -hmm. it was, it's only really been since like the forties, fifties, when all this stuff started to kind of happen with, you know, autoimmune and just all of these imbalances as we grew deeper into like industrialization and chemicals and technology. Mm -hmm. And like Mm -hmm. we've, that is personally where I see like the, the biggest disconnect and what kind of has brought us this kind of far into a lot of people being Mm -hmm. unwell. So the biggest lesson, and I think it's always been within all of us, I just think we've been pulled away from, is that like we have the ability to heal. It's like our body's just asking for it on so many levels. We just, mm-hmm. we get um, we get scared or we get sidetracked or we make different choices and yeah, I think that's, it's, it's been one of the greatest lessons and the greatest kind of teachers. And I think it's something that I continue to practice and you constantly have to like put like, I guess, fire onto the, or like wood onto the the fire and keep it burning because it's really Mm -hmm. easy for it Mm -hmm. to falter, right? Like it's really easy for you to like lose trust or like disconnect or to have fears come up and like not trust your body in its healing because, right? Like that, it's just old programming and conditioning of like feel Mm -hmm. a symptom and then you catch yourself wanting to like Mm -hmm. go to the doctor or run to get something Mm -hmm. instead of coming back to that, like coming back to that ultimately the truth, like ultimately the truth, Mm -hmm. even though it can be Mm -hmm. hard to, hard to, hard to believe at times. Right. Yeah. 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 So how can people connect with you? So the best place is probably my website. So that's just lifebylease.com, And then Mm I would say Instagram. What is it that you offer? Yeah. So I do kind of one-on-one just like kind of exclusively right now. I will be delving deeper into, I'll be releasing a program in the new year and I will be releasing a podcast really soon as well. But I work uh, exclusively with women. So it's it's kind of like a a one-to-one space to heal Mm -hmm. kind of on every level, mind, body, soul. We use 
nutrition. We use mind body. We use, um, just, yeah, a bunch of tools. Like if someone's here in Toronto mm-hmm. as well, I, I've, I've got my Reiki certification. So I also believe in that. So it's, yeah, I guess that like my practice just is specializing in like deep healing, going deep to find the core to mm-hmm. heal the whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I love, I just love, you started to mention your Instagram, but I love following you on Instagram because it's so, you just have the best energy. (laughs) So, and you're so genuine in what you you. do, you know, like your, your beliefs about healing are so genuine. I just think it's so inspiring to, to anyone who is struggling to see someone else come out on the other side and to have done it naturally and not naturally is okay too as long as we get to a place that we feel balanced and I think that you're just so like everything about you is just so beautiful and glowy and and yeah I'm so happy that we and we've connected through Instagram yeah that was where (laughs) we did connect that's it see it I, Mm -hmm. I do I think it's such a beautiful platform and I think it holds um so much for all of us. And yeah, yeah, I just, I honestly really appreciate those words and those sentiments and it, it really means a lot to me. So thank, thank you on every single level. I'm super grateful. You're welcome. And thank you for coming on and telling, sharing your story. Yeah, it's my honor. Again, kind of going back to the whole like foundation of everything is just, uh, it's helping. Like I, uh, that's, my purpose, it's, it, that's, that's what it is. It just kind of is, you know, yeah. transformed into this and it's going to keep on transforming and evolving as like we all grow, right? Like it's, it's just not like, yeah. you know, we don't do something and this is like our forever kind of job yeah. or journey. And that I think that's the beauty of it. Like that's the beautiful yeah. part. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Joan. I've put all information from this episode in the show notes. So if you forgot to write down the name of a book or a doctor, you can find it there. I want to thank my editor, Clay Carnell, who has been so patient with me. I want to thank Mike Lachome for providing the theme music that he so beautifully and thoughtfully created. I want to thank Jen Perron for creating our amazing logo. And I want to thank all of you for listening. Thank you so much, truly from the bottom of my heart. 